the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Hey, this is Tyson Mutrix. And really quick before the episode, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. You're going to love this episode. But before we start the show, Jim and I want to invite you to join us for two days with 300 other insane Maximum Lawyers at this year's Maximum Lawyer Conference in June. If you don't have your tickets yet, go to maxlawcon.com so you can have the ability to come to a place with a whole bunch of people who think like you, believe like you, who see visions like you of what they can create and what they can become. MaxLawCon is not just a marketing event. It's not just a business event. It's not just a personal development event. It's all of these things wrapped into one. And as an experience, it will change your life forever. So make sure to get your tickets right now so you can join us and 300 other insane, crazy, fun Maximum Lawyers talking about how to grow their businesses, sharing all the best marketing secrets, the things that are working today. Now go get your tickets by going to maxlawcon.com. All right, now onto the show. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimbo? Good morning, Tyson. Seems like we haven't recorded for quite some time. Uh, it's only been two weeks, man. I know you've missed me. You've had a lot of crying nights on your pillow. It's fine. Um, but I'm back. We're, we're back together. I'm excited about seeing you in Connecticut this Friday. That should be a blast. I know. It's going to be a lot of fun. You don't get in, apparently, until Thursday night, later, late. So you're going to miss our dinner, which is a bummer. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Our boys Ryan McKean and Jay Ruane putting on a, a pretty awesome CLE out in, uh, out in Connecticut. It's going to be fun. Well, I'm excited about our guest today. Her name is Melanie Leonard. She's an attorney and she advises lawyers on things technological and firm management related. Melanie, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So, Melanie, I normally ask people to tell their story, which we can get to at some point. But I'm just curious, like, do you do more lawyering now? Do you do more advising on the technical side? Tell, tell us what you do. I am doing little to no lawyering these days. I actually sold my practice about a year and a half ago. Actually, it's almost two years ago now. In June, it'll be two years. And yeah, now I'm simply helping other attorneys implement practice management software in their firms, create systems to support that software. And it's a lot more fun in my opinion. <laughs> well, Melanie, tell us how you got to that point. How did you you know, survive after law school? What, what did you do uh, firm-wise and then when did you go out on your own or tell us your whole story? Yeah, absolutely. So I went to law school and loved law school. 
thought it was a blast and went ahead and went to a small firm after I graduated law school, worked there for, I don't know, about a year or so, and then went to another more high volume practice where we did some uh, consumer fraud. And that was pretty interesting. Got a lot of great exposure in court, a lot of um, really great experience. And then I decided to switch to another small firm. So a couple of firms in there where I worked uh, consumer fraud, I did a more of a general business practice. So I had a lot of exposure to a lot of different areas of law, but ended up opening my own firm about two and a half years or so out of law school and decided very quickly to focus on real estate. And I know you guys had Cheryl Morrison on the podcast just a few weeks ago, and it just aired this week. So I was listening to that before I came on. And our stories are pretty similar as far as the kind of law that we do or did. She's doing residential real estate in the Chicago area. That's exactly what I was doing. Don't worry, we're going out to lunch this week. So I'm super excited to meet up with her. But my my practice really evolved. I quickly found that I really wanted to focus on a niche because I felt like it would help me make those processes and procedures a lot more consistent and a lot easier to carry out. And so especially in real estate where it is a bit of a volume practice in order to, you know, make the kind of money that you want to support yourself. And so um, I very quickly decided to focus on residential real estate and I went ahead and built systems through software that would allow me to do that. And I did that for about 12 years before I finally decided that I wanted to just focus on helping other attorneys because I enjoy that a lot more than I did the actual uh, real estate practice itself. I, I mean, I had some great experiences and helped a ton of great clients during those 12 years, but it just got to a point where I was getting a bit burnt out and it was more exciting to me to be able to help other attorneys build systems within their firm. So let's talk. Let's let's stay on the old firm for a little bit. So talk a little bit about the systems that you used in that old firm, because I'm really trying to figure out how we got to where you are now. Because to me, giving up the firm would be really really hard. So let's dig was, a little bit deeper and, yeah, into your let's, firm. Yeah, yeah no problem. And let's not sugarcoat it. I mean, it was a two year in the making decision process. So yeah, I'll, I'm happy to walk you through that. So just to give you a little idea of what my firm looked like before that. Most of the time, it was just me as the attorney. I mean, I had a few other attorneys that helped out here and there, but generally speaking, I was the one consistent attorney across those 12 years. I had differing staff at different times. You know, sometimes I just have one assistant. Sometimes I'd have, you know, up to four. And just depending on the what was going on in my life, you know, I had two children during those 12 years, during that 12 year period. So obviously during those times, I had more help than other times, but that's how we ran. And I ran that firm pretty exclusively on Clio. At the time, Clio had just come out about see, about a year or 18 months or so into my practice. And when I got pregnant with my son, my first child, it was a situation where, you know, nothing creates urgency like pregnancy. And so it was the kind of a situation where I decided I have to find something and I have to find something that's going to work to spread my knowledge and what I know about all these cases to somebody else. And whether that's another attorney or another assistant or a combination. And so that really created an urgency within me to go all in on the software that I had already purchased, but was just kind of, you know, half using since it was just me at the time. And so I really started, you know, taking advantage of the document automation and, you know, all that really awesome stuff that practice management can do for you. But a lot of attorneys are you know, sometimes too busy to be able to really focus on those things. And so that created the urgency. I started really going all in on the practice management software, started using it with the differing staff that I had over those that 12-year period. 
and really felt like it changed the way, I mean, task management specifically changed the way that I practice law. Absolutely, hands down, no questions asked. It really took my firm and my practice from being more reactive to now being more proactive, having these workflows and tasks lists in our system. And so being able to use those to not only push a file along and help our clients get the resolution that they wanted, you know, to close on their house, but also to help me oversee that and pay attention to and keep track of what everyone else on my staff was doing, because that can sometimes be the hardest part is that whole coordination of what people are doing. So we're not, you know, duplicating efforts and stuff. So yeah, so that's how I really got into practice management. And, And we used other technologies as well. You know, we used Ring Central for our phone and, you know, texting and stuff like that. So it was, there were really some great tools. Well, there's even more now, frankly, but there were some great tools that we had at our disposal to be able to do that. So the short version of the story is after about 10 years of practice, I joined a coaching group because I noticed that my gross income had plateaued. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what can I do differently? Because apparently I'm really good at running this kind of firm, but I can't get past that plateau. And it was interesting because as I looked back at the numbers, you know, one of those years or two of those years, I had even had a baby and like left for a couple of months and I still made the exact amount, the exact same amount of money. So it was fascinating to me to see that trend or lack of trend, more of a plateau. And when I met this coaching group, I decided, you know, this is something I need to explore and and need to be a part of. So I was in that group for two years and through that process really was exposed to a lot of ideas that I had never been exposed to. I mean, I had never learned anything about building a business until I joined that group. And, you know, as you guys know, you get out of law school, you start a practice and you figure it out basically, or you, or, you know, um, I know you guys were talking in previous episodes about some of the experiences you had had. Tyson mentioned, you know, having some experience running a previous firm or having some exposure to running a previous firm. I had none of that. I mean, it was just figuring it out. And after 10 years, I'd figured out a lot of stuff, but it wasn't getting me past that plateau. So I joined the coaching group. I discovered through that two years of that business coaching that really the law firm was not my passion. I mean, I enjoyed it and I did a lot of really cool things, but it wasn't my passion. And my passion was actually helping other attorneys structure their firms and create those systems that I enjoyed so much in my firm. And so after two years, decided that, you know, (laughs) it really got to a point where I wasn't enjoying the firm very much and decided if I was going to have to put in a lot of work to turn the ship around, I might as well build a new ship and one that I was more passionate about. And that's what brought me to Streamline Legal. Melanie, you talked a bit about bringing Cleo in with your different team members. Talk to us a little bit about two things. One, getting the team to buy into using new software, because I'm going through that right now with FileVine. And number two, you said that task management turned your practice around. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah. So as far as buy-in of new staff or new people coming on board, that is one of the hardest things, I will admit. Now, of course, if you're hiring and you already have the system in place, then you can kind of try and ferret that out in your hiring process, right? So you can tell them, you know, this is what we have, this is what we use. 
and try and get some type of reaction or see if you can figure out how they'll respond to that. But like you said, a lot of times you're, you may be switching with the current staff that you have and getting that buy-in, it can be really hard. It can be a big challenge. What I try to do is I try to look at it from the staff member's perspective, because obviously from a business owner perspective, you have all kinds of reasons why this software is going to be better. Maybe it gives you better reporting or better oversight or, you know, whatever the situation is. But as a staff member, I may not care about that stuff. That's not the motivation that gets me through every day. Generally speaking, a lot of times speaking, the motivation that gets people through the daily work tasks that they have is making it easier and maybe making it faster or, you know, more efficient so that they can get more done. And if they have that type of mentality, then it's just a question of looking at the software and figuring out what benefits it has for them. You know, is it going to make this report that they used to create in three hours, you know, take them 20 minutes? Well, that may be very appealing to them. But you really have to figure out what each person's motivation is because maybe they don't want to be faster. Maybe they like their relaxed, slow pace of life. And that's fine too. But then we need to figure out what can we use to motivate them if it's not the features of the software? You know, is it, I don't know, is it Starbucks? Is it, I'm, you know, I don't mean to imply that people can be bought with gift certificates, but it's, you know, what are the small things that, or big things that can make a difference in their lives, you know, and what motivates them so that you can try to incorporate that into your switch, whatever that is. And then as far as task management goes, before we started using the task list in Clio. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Clio, it's just basically their version of workflows. Before we started using those, we were very much just trying to react to whoever emailed or phoned us last and what emergency or urgency was coming up next. And that's just a more stressful way to practice, in my opinion. Once we actually had these workflows documented out and the software was reminding us at the appropriate time to start working on something, then it was like we were put in this position where we could now anticipate what was coming up and we could either get it done so that we're done in plenty of time and we're not running up against deadlines all the time, or we could restructure things if we needed to for that file. Because we know working in a system, not every file is going to be exactly the same. Some things are different, um, but we can address that using a system. If we can see very quickly which files do not fit within our system, then we can address them and handle them separately. But if you have no way of identifying that and you just feel like every file is something new and different, you're going to become quickly overwhelmed and more stressed in trying to service your clients. And so that's where workflows really, really became helpful for our firm. And I'm convinced to me that as helpful for everyone else's firm as well. So Melanie, whenever you're going in and working with these firms, are, they, are these typically firms that are more general practices? Or are they, do they have specific practice areas? Are they niched down? Do they have systems built out? If not, how do you deal with that? I mean, I've got so many questions about this because I mean, I, I can imagine you could go into some of these firms and they're basically just starting out. And so they don't have a lot of this built out. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, we start at the very beginning, as they say in The Sound of Music. We, we have to take a look at basically what are they doing now and what are their goals. And so a lot of times when we're working with firms, that's exactly where we start. We do a two-hour interview to just learn about the firm and figure out how they're operating now. And two hours, you can get a lot of information. I mean, you, you may not know everything, but you'll get a lot of information and, and a real good sense of how they're operating. 
Um, and then we just start prioritizing things. You know, it, what are their biggest pain points? May, a lot of times, I will be honest with you, workflow is one of the biggest pain points. Generally, the first one is billing, frankly. However, workflows are typically second or third, depending on the firm. And so, yeah, we just start at the beginning and figure out what the biggest pain points are, where we can help that's going to have the biggest impact, and we start there. So when we're talking about workflows, uh, most of the firms that we work with have multiple practice areas. However, it depends on the firm. I mean, a lot of firms will be trying to narrow their focus and will have one, maybe two practice areas. And that, of course, we can systematize a lot faster than, like you mentioned, the general practices. The general practices take a lot longer because really you're working with, you know, 10 different workflows instead of two, right? So it does take a longer amount of time. So we focus on what's your biggest volume of practice. I mean, if you have, you know, 80% is estate planning and 20% is probate, then we're going to focus on estate planning first and we're going to build workflows for that first and then we'll worry about probate. And so it's just very methodical taking it one practice area at a time. We'll pause for a word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsor, Smith AI. Smith AI is a superior receptionist service for law firms, trusted by many maximum lawyers, including me. At my immigration practice, the hacking law practice, Smith's friendly U.S.-based receptionists respond to potential clients in English or Spanish, screen and schedule new leads, and even take payment for our consults. The best part is that they don't just handle these conversations by phone. They also have live agents and chatbots capturing leads on our website through their chat widget. They serve as our friendly gatekeepers while my team and I work uninterrupted. We get new clients and we get work done. How awesome is that? If you're in a solo or small firm, I know you'll appreciate this. Plans start at just $70 a month for calls and $100 a month for chats. They even offer a totally free chatbot, so there's no excuse. Try Smith AI today and see for yourself why attorneys like me say Smith AI receptionists are the secret to business growth. Smith AI offers a free trial and maximum lawyer listeners get an extra $100 discount with promo code MAXLAW100. That's M-A-X-L-A-W-1-0-0. Sign up and learn more at www.smith.ai. Trust me when I say don't let another day go by, try Smith AI. You're back on the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. We're talking with Melanie Leonard. She helps lawyers figure out their tech. And I saw that firsthand. You know, Tyson and I had the Zapathon in Arizona, and we were very, very lucky that our friends Paul Yakabitis and Melanie Leonard joined us because it became quickly evident that most people were overwhelmed by what we were talking about with Zapier, and Melanie and Paul jumped on in and really uh, helped out a lot of people. And so, Melanie, I want to thank you publicly for that, and I just want to get your overall impressions of how you thought the Zapathon went. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I was so glad to be there. You know, honestly, I was not intending to go until about a month ahead of time. And I decided, you know, this would be a really great experience. I work a fair amount with Zapier in the clients that I'm helping. And so I have that experience and that background, which was great to be able to bring. But what I was most excited about was just to see the types of attorneys that would show up and to see how they progressed through the Zapathon. So for example, you know, I know you've talked in other podcasts about the experience of having people there that had never even opened Zapier before, frankly, or maybe they just created their account and that was it. So that was very exciting to see all of those people. And I had the privilege of working with that beginner group at one point. Um, but to see them, you know, those light bulbs go off in their heads and to say, oh my gosh, this could save me. You know, they start calculating time in their head, how much time they're going to save now with this Zap saving five minutes. And if I have to do it 20 times a month, you know, now, now I've got all this save time. 
So it was very, very cool to have that experience. And then also one of the things that I think was great to have that mixture of inexperienced and experienced people in the same room with respect to Zapier is the idea that, you know, we're learning from each other too. I mean, even if you have a lot of experience, that doesn't mean that you've thought of every Zap that's going to be beneficial to your firm. So I think that having that combination of experience actually did help, you know, people grow and learn from each other. And so I thought that was a really, really great idea. And my general view of the Zapathon was, I was really glad to be a part of it. I was very, very impressed and glad that you guys made that decision to pivot when the first, you know, how many ever hours were not going the way you had planned. And I've actually learned from that a couple of times. We There's a mutual attorney in the group that he presented on Zapathon and Intake at the ABA Tech Show a couple weeks ago. And so he was not able to attend the Zapathon. So he and I talked about kind of how things went and what you guys did so that he could be prepared for a similar kind of reaction from his audience at the tech show. And I actually am about to go and teach Zapier to the Atlanta legal tech group down in Atlanta. And I've taken that experience and the ABA tech show experience and tried to craft something that will be really helpful for them. So I had the great experience to learn a ton from how you guys pivoted and how the workshop actually ended up and have been able to or will be able to share a lot of with a lot of people. And so I'm super excited about that and glad to have been a part of that experience. All right. I've got a fun one to ask you, Melanie. So I want sure. you to compare running a law firm to running your current business. Which one I know we know which one you like more. Uh which one <laughs> is more difficult and why? I'm gonna say the law firm was more difficult. And that, not that this one doesn't have its challenges, but the first business, the law firm, you know, I had no idea what I was doing going into it. I mean, I know I knew how to do a real estate closing and that's about it. I didn't know how to run a business. I mean, I just didn't know. So the things that took me 10 years to figure out and be able to implement in my law firm in this business took about 18 months. You know, so financially speaking, if you want to measure it by money, you know, it took me 18 months in this new business to be able to gross the same amount of money that I was grossing with my law firm. And I very much attribute that to the idea that all the things that took me 10 years to figure out the first time around, I can now just hit the ground running with them. So I really don't feel like it was that much of a difference, frankly. I mean, it's still a service business. I'm still serv- providing a service to people. And it, I'm sure there are attorneys out there that don't want to hear this, but it's really not that different. I mean, as, as attorneys and as law firms, we like to think that our businesses are so unique. But the reality is that, you know, it's, it's a service business and you can provide a lot of different services in a lot of similar ways. And attorneys can learn a lot from looking at other service businesses and how they work and how they don't work, frankly. So I was very fortunate to be able to use a lot of the same things that I learned over the 10 years on my own and the two years in that coaching group in order to create the business that I have today and, and be able to grow it even larger. I mean, you know, the trajectory is still going up. So I'm super excited about where I can take this business that I wasn't able to do with my law firm. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That's awesome, Melanie. And, you know, you're also a very active member in the Facebook group. And I noticed uh, maybe about two weeks ago, you threw out an idea that you might try to develop your skills in FileVine as much as you have in Clio. I didn't get a chance to see what kind of feedback you got. And I wondered where you were, where you were headed with that. The feedback was very positive. 
And as I suspected, because the reality is it doesn't matter what software you're using. The idea is that there are a lot of great people out there that can help you with tech support, right? Like there's a lot of great technicians and software companies that can help you with that. And there's a lot of great business coaches that can help you build your business, generally speaking. But I didn't find that there, when I started this business, I found that there were not a lot of people that were working at that intersection of, you know, building systems and businesses and using software to do it. So you would have a business coach that says, okay, we'll get a good practice management software. Well, which one's good? And how should I use it once I have it? So I found that that was where a lot of people were getting stuck. And you would have a lot of good technicians that would tell you, you know, to create a workflow in Clio, here's how you put it into Clio. Okay, well, but what should the steps in my workflow be? And so I felt like there was this void in the middle there between the business building and the technology that people weren't necessarily getting a lot of help with. And so whether the technology is Filevine or Clio or Practice Panther or my case or name any other system you want, or it doesn't matter what the technology is, the reality is that building those systems to support that technology is going to make that technology help you, you know, tenfold. And so, yeah, the response I got from file, for Filevine was fantastic. I think it's a great software and I'm really looking forward to diving deeper into it. And yeah, the reality is I did put that out there as a teaser because I do want to grow that part of the business and um, am currently interviewing Filevine experts in order to fill that position and have somebody help me since I'm not yet an expert in Filevine. And uh, yeah, so as soon as that happens, I will be thrilled to make a huge announcement and, and start working with an additional population of people that are working in Filevine. So Melanie, one of my biggest fears is that I will be using a software and in the middle, like I'll, at some point I'll realize that I should have ditched that software like 10 years ago. Like I imagine if, if you're like a needles user right now, I'm sorry, I apologize to any needles users, but you're in them, if you're using needles right now, like realizing, okay, I should have dumped this like 20 years ago because needles is an outdated software. So how do you prevent that from happening? Because like, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of what you have to do is forecasting out technologies and making sure that this company is legit and they're going to, they're going to improve their softwares, their systems. I mean, how do you do, how do you deal with all that? Yeah, it's funny you bring up needles because I actually do have a very early client that switched from Clio to needles after a couple months of working with us. And it was like, I mean, not a dagger to the heart, but it was pretty disappointing. And the reality is now that this firm has been on needles for a number of years, the reality is it really just depends on what you're looking for, right? I mean, to them, they had different priorities and different things that were important to them that Clio wasn't able to support and needles was. And so for them, it's been a great move. Now, I agree with you. It kind of makes me cringe the idea that it's not, you know, cloud-based and all that kind of stuff. But each firm is different. And so what I think of when you ask that question, though, is this whole fear of missing out. I mean, yeah, the, the reality is there's, there may be other software out there that you don't even know about that could be better for your firm. But the other thing that you have to balance that with is the idea that, number one, there is no perfect software. Like, there is no one ring to rule them all, as I say in my house. And you, you do the best with what information you have. The other thing is that number two, there's a certain, and, and Jim knows this most recently, there's a certain amount of time and energy and money that goes into switching, right? I mean, it's not easy or fun to switch practice management software. It doesn't matter what software you're going to or coming from. So there's an, an investment there as well. So it's, it's more, what I find more compelling is how are you using the software you have? I have a lot of people that will jump around from software to software and I, you know, that whole shiny object syndrome, 
the next great thing to come out, we need to use it. And they may be right. There may be all kinds of great things coming out. But if you're not even fully using the software you have, I question whether or not you're going to fully use the next software as well. So if you're really getting the most out of everything you have and something better comes along and you think it's going to serve you better, then yeah, let's go investigate it. You know, my a great example is uh, Lawmatics. There's a ton of people, especially in this group, that really enjoy Lawmatics. And I think it's an awesome product. It does a ton of really great things. It's very automated. It can allow you to do some very cool things that a lot of other software doesn't in that intake space. But I also have seen small firms try to jump into Lawmatics. And the reality is, in order for Lawmatics to serve you as well as it can, there is a fair amount of investment up front, whether it's money or time or a combination of both, in order to get you know templates up and running and and form emails and, you know, forms that you want your clients to fill out and all kinds of cool things that can do, you have to build that stuff. And so when I see a one or two attorney, you know, firm going into that and saying, well, I'm ditching Clio Grow, for example, because it's not as robust. Well, they're not even using Clio Grow. Like, I, I worry that some firms are jumping into software that is not a good fit for their firm, despite the fact that it might be a really great software. So. If you have a solo who's using Lawmatics, I'm not saying you can't do it, but that's going to take a lot of time and energy for that solo to set that up or outsource it or however they're going to do it. But if you're not prepared for that, then it's going to be another piece of software that just sits there and you don't use it and you're still paying for it. So in my opinion, we need to, most people need to look at what they currently have first. And I know Chad Burton's going to do a great talk on that at MaxLawCon. So you guys should definitely get your tickets now if you haven't already. But we should definitely be looking at what software we have now in order to make sure we're getting the most out of that before switching. That's the other thing I see a lot of is attorneys wanting to switch because their software doesn't have this feature. But then once they dive into the software, they figure out, oh, wait, it does have that feature or it has a feature very similar to it that would save us a lot of pain and anguish of having to switch software. So I really am a big firm believer in investigating and making sure you're getting the most out of what you have before deciding to move on, because there's always going to be a better software out there. All right, Melanie. So talk to us a little bit about who your ideal law firm is to work with. What is your avatar law firm that you like to work with? And what are the services that you offer to people and how do they get a hold of you? Yeah. You know, I love working with firms that can see and appreciate the advantages that technology will bring to them. They just are having trouble actually implementing it. So whether it's because of you know lack of resources or whether it's because they just don't know where to start or they haven't thought of their practice in a systematic way, those are the firms that I love working with so that we can show them you know exactly how to go about implementing that new software or the software they've had for some time in a lot of cases. So those are the type of firms we like to work with. And how do we work with them? We can do a lot of different things to help your firm implement new technology or existing technology. But what we like to start with is what we call our action plan. And that's that two-hour interview where we learn about your firm and how you guys do things so that we can come in and give you a bunch of great recommendations that you may not have even thought of. And then you can take those recommendations and run with them or have our help in implementing them. Either way, it really all starts with those recommendations to see what's going to really benefit your firm and moving forward. Excellent stuff. All right. So I want to wrap things up before I do. I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group, get involved there. I think we're over 2,500 people now. It's kind of crazy how much it's grown over the last year. Um, so there's a lot of great people like Melanie in the group. 
sharing great, great information and resources. I also want to remind you to register for MaxLawCon 2020. We have a lot of great speakers, including Melanie Leonard, who will speak about stop wasting money on technology, which I'm, I'm really interested in, in hearing that. It's going to be really incredible. So go register now, MaxLawCon.com. Jimbo, what's your hack of the week? Well, going along those lines of implementing new software, we told everyone that we were shutting down the office on a Friday morning. We got everybody into one room and we all worked on um, setting up FileVine the way that we wanted it in, in each particular case. And just getting everyone together, one, it, it um, boosted enthusiasm about it. Two, it allowed people to share things that they were working on that were really working well. It was almost like a mini Zappathon. And then it also allowed people who were stuck to get unstuck. So We've actually been doing that. We did that for a whole half day, and we've been doing it an hour a week since then, and it's really been helpful. Very good stuff. And we are actually doing ours in about a week and a half. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it, just like dig, digging in and, and everyone getting involved, and we're going to redo our core values. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Melanie, what is your tip or hack of the week? So I'm going to jump on that bandwagon here, but add a little more detail. I absolutely think there's a huge value and firms don't do it enough, frankly, to get getting the whole staff and attorneys together in one room and talking about how they're doing things, why, more importantly, maybe why they're doing things. And what I like to call it is our better way meeting. And basically what we're looking for is how can we find a better way of doing things? Because it doesn't matter what you're doing or how you're doing it. In my opinion, there's almost always a better way. And there always will be because your firm is going to change and grow and things are going to be different. People are going to be different throughout the years. And so always being in that mindset of reevaluating how you're doing things, I think, can be very, very valuable. And so whether it's, you know, a basic, how do we get the mail from the mailbox, you know, to the correct attorney to be able to see it, you know, that might be something we want to take a look at. Maybe in Jim's case, we have new practice management software. That sounds great too. But whatever the system or the procedure is, let's look at it. And, and I'm going to give you a tip. The first one, the first meeting is always going to be, we need to create a procedure. <laughs> and then your procedure is only going to get better from there. But basically, the question is just, how do we do this better? And how can we make it better, easier, more efficient, whatever your goals are? Those are the questions that I would ask in that meeting. Excellent stuff. So my my tip is actually a really good segue from what you were just talking about, because we're always reassessing our firms. We're always reassessing our businesses. But what we're not doing is reassessing our health. And so this is a good reminder to stop and, and assess your health to see how you're doing and maybe adjust what you're doing. I, I recently did, the, did this about, I don't know, eight weeks ago, and I, I feel much, much better. I've seen people like John Fisher and Mo Lilienthal um, media Mike, people like that, that have, have really changed their health and their lifestyle. And I think that they're benefiting as well. I know that they're benefiting as well. So now's a good time to really, as you're reassessing your firms and your businesses and getting better, don't forget about you as the person at your health, because a lot of you are doing this for your families. And if you're not around, guess what? You can't do those things. So make sure you reassess your health. Melanie, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.